opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, welcome back to Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Summer. And this is episode 12. Welcome back to the two-parter. Of the Atlanta Ripper. I know, we're probably going to want to jump right into this one. We left off where, Jennifer? Your favorite part? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> With her multiple husbands? Good for you. I, mean, I just, I don't think that helped her, but sounds like a lot of work to me at least she at least she clarified herself at the end so now we need to know what's happening you said there's more murders getting right back into the murders on july 23rd a suspect ed ward was arrested on the murder of sophie jackson she was apparently murdered on june 24th but this was the first time the public had heard about her murder ward had several aliases and it had taken detectives a while to track him down Sophie's father had told police that Ed Ward had been at their home for several hours the night of Sophie's murder. When Sophie did not return home, Mr. Jackson reached out and asked Ed Ward to help him search for his daughter, but Ward refused. Mr. Jackson also stated to police that Ward started behaving oddly and told him that there was no use in searching for her because he knew she was dead and that if he helped look for her body and found it, people might think he was guilty of killing her. What? Right. (laughs) So I was like, hold on. He's clearly telling us he killed her, right? But I don't think so because here's a man who was just with a woman who then is most likely dead from this ripper you've been hearing about everywhere. And maybe he's freaking out thinking, if I go look for her and come across her body, they're going to be like, oh, he's the killer. He's the ripper. And that's it for me. Yeah. And you know how it is with these types of crimes when there's something that's unsolved, they are so quick to pin it on somebody. They want the community to know, like, hey, we found somebody, even Mm -hmm. if it's not the person who did it. And especially in these murders, because murders had been happening for quite a while now, and they didn't have anybody truly as a suspect. I mean, obviously, we don't know, but I think Ed was just probably scared that it could be pinned on him. Yeah, he probably would have been an easy target. But here's some more information on Ward. Shortly after this statement to Sophie's father, Ward was seen near the area where police eventually did find her body. Additionally, Ward began to move around and started sending his belongings to Madison, Georgia, under one of his aliases. When Ward was finally tracked down and brought in by the detective, he made a full confession, but soon after, he recanted. The record is not clear about much more regarding Sophie's murder or Edward. So we really don't know what happened. Does that last part make you feel differently now, maybe? He's like, no, I won't look for her because they'll think it's me if I find her body. And then he's seen in the area where her body does end up. Yeah, but then he confessed and then recanted, which confuses me as well. Think about the pastor in Villisca who was admitting to things and then he took it back to, I think a lot of times, and it depends on, like, number one, the mental state of the person. So if you're putting a lot of pressure on this person and we don't know what the investigators used to get him to confess. So was he under a lot of pressure? Was he nervous? Was he tired? That's a good point. Right. He just wanting to get it over with. Was he scared? Yeah. But nothing ever came of this, right? We don't know because there's no other reports about it after that. This could have also been like an isolated incident. If he did do it, maybe it was just not necessarily a ripper murder, but just a homicide, a separate one. 
Gosh, so right now, we can only speculate now. Right. We don't know. In August, Fulton County prosecutors moved forward with the case against Huff and Henderson, and on the 9th, the grand jury indicted Henry Huff. But there was also a new suspect listed, a John Daniel. There was little information on Daniel's arrest and any investigation related to it. All that is really known was that he was being held and indicted for a murder that was attributed to the Atlanta Ripper. And that's all we know about him. What? Yes. But wait, there's more. Okay. There's more lack of information. Let me tell you more. Okay. <laughs> August 31st. Almost seven weeks after the Ripper's last murder, Mary Ann Duncan, just 20 years old, was found west of Atlanta near railroad tracks with her throat cut from ear to ear and her shoes were missing, just like in Sadie Holly's case. Now. If this murder was truly by the Ripper, would this mean, and this, I'm asking you this, okay, so if this murder was truly by the Ripper, this would mean that Huff, Henderson, and Daniel were all innocent since they were in custody. That's true. Right? Yeah. And we are not sure if Ward was still in custody at this time because, remember, we don't have any more information on his situation. Yeah. But if he was, then he couldn't be the Ripper either, right? But what about this other guy? What if there's a new copycat killer? Was the Ripper in custody and then this was a copycat killer? There's so many questions. Yeah, there's so much unknown. Right. And, uh, but it does seem like this one could This one be. sounds like a Ripper murder, doesn't it? Yeah, because they took the shoes and yep. like the M.O. The, the, the cutting from ear to ear is what the Ripper was known for. And I don't think I asked you this last episode, but they speculate that the weapon was a knife or a razor. Yes. Okay. Some type of very sharp blade. But they don't know which... They're not sure. Right. Okay. Because they never found an actual murder weapon by any of the victims, except for sometimes they would find like a rock or something, you know, the object that was used to knock some of the victims unconscious before their necks were slashed. I see. Details of the murders were being published in every paper now. So you have to remember, it was public knowledge how the Ripper killed his victims. Yeah. They know how it's being done. Yeah. So, so October 21st. Eva Florence's body was found with her head having been beaten in and her throat stabbed. And I say stabbed because it was not slashed like the other ones. Fall of 1911, Ellen Maddox, a cook, was attacked on her way home from work. This is kind of Ripper M.O. She was attacked from behind and hit with a blunt object. Her head was almost crushed and her face was beaten so badly that the police described her face as unrecognizable as a human being. Wow. She was beaten that badly. And it says she went to Grady Hospital where they began to treat her. And the only words that she could get out were, he ran up behind me and hit me. And then, and then that's all she said. Oh, my God. I know. It isn't reported as to whether or not she survived the attack either. So we don't know if she survived it. But it, it sounds like what the Ripper would do. But then also, why did he stop and not cut her throat? Or maybe... Maybe this wasn't even like a Ripper attack. Right. It could have been something else, right? Again, yeah, because he usually doesn't bash people's faces in that. He doesn't. You're right. Aggressively to the point where it doesn't even look like a human anymore. Right. This is the only one that is described like that. So this to me sounds like it could be from a different person. Yeah. To me, it sounds like it's not even the Atlanta Ripper. Right. Early November, Minnie Wise's body was found in a field near Colony Street and Georgia Avenue by some children. This was the same field where two other victims had been found. Minnie had been hit in the head with a heavy object. Her body had been dragged for some distance, and her middle index finger had been cut off near the joint. 
Her shoes were also missing. Later, police stated that her shoes had been cut off and removed. So this is a little bit more Ripper M.O. with hitting on the head as some of the bodies he did drag. And the mutilation. Mm-hmm. And the stealing of the shoes. Right. Was that just the trophy, you think? It's definitely a serial killer thing to do is take an object from your victim as a trophy. Yeah. So I think it's easier to say that the ones with missing shoes could be linked. I think those could be attributed to the Ripper for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that one could I be. think that one's a Ripper murder. I do. The citizens were really putting pressure on the officials now, and the Ripper headlines had made their way across the country. So letters started coming into the mayor's office and the police station's office offering assistance to catch the Ripper. Leaders in the black community again asked for help and for the hiring of black detectives to assist in the hunt for the murder or murderers. But from what I was reading, the mayor just like, took offense to this and didn't accept any of the help. And he did defend his police force and said, you know, the police force was second to none and could handle things. But I, is that the right thing to do if your city is hurting and you have this serial killer or killers on the loose and you're getting from across the country, other police stations, detectives are sending you letters and saying, we want to help. You would turn that away? No, I totally think that's an ego thing. I and think so too. he should have accepted the help. And if your community is asking for advocacy from other law enforcement or from just for diversity's sake, why turn that down? Right. Unless it's something, you know, internal inside of inside of you, whether yeah. it's your pride or... I think it was a pride thing. He, he didn't want to act like he needed help. Well, he clearly did. He absolutely did. This is what... We're in the double digits, so you clearly need help with yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, they're getting to the end of the year now, and the victim's count is just keeps climbing. Just drop the ego, man. This is for the betterment of your community. So November 21st, 1911, less than a week after the mayor defended his police force, another body was found near the junction of Stewart Street and the Beltline, just past University Avenue. Mary Putnam's head was almost completely cut from her body. One of her breasts was cut, and she was also disemboweled, and her heart was cut out and placed beside her body. This was a bad one. Oh my god. Yeah, this is like a really vicious one. Right. Did she still have her shoes? Yeah, it doesn't say anything about her shoes being missing in this one. He mutilated her body kind of like it's a little bit Jack the Ripper with removing certain body parts. Did people know about Jack the Ripper? They did, very yes. Well? He was a well known serial killer because it had happened in the late 1800s, and so he was known. Everyone was well aware of it. It was Jack worldwide news. Right. Maybe at this point, because like we've seen before, you keep doing the standard things, so it gets boring to the serial killer. Yeah, they need and they to, need, like, to heighten it for themselves, right? Yeah. So now it wasn't doing it for him just to slash the throat. Now he's got to remove organs and mutilate the body's more. Yeah, I he's got to take it further. I think there might be something to that. On November 26th, a meeting was held at Big Bethel Church to discuss the ongoing issue of the Ripper murders. A large amount of money was raised by the Black clergy, civic leaders, and businesses in the community and was added to the money they had already raised previously. They rightfully felt discouraged and upset by the police department's inability to catch the Ripper, and it was at this meeting that Reverend C.M. Tanner and several others suggested 
suggested that the women of the community stay indoors at night while the Ripper was still at large. But unfortunately, many of the young black women in Atlanta at that time had jobs that required them to travel during the nighttime and early morning hours. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's people's livelihood. You know, during that time, they can't just stop working. Right. They have to continue with life. How Mm -hmm. else are they going to get paid? Right. And remember, several of the Ripper victims so far have been cooks. They're, they probably know, you know, I'm risking my life every day that I go to this job because I don't know. Terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. November 29th, the trial of Henry Huff came to an end and a verdict was expected in a few days. What once sounded like a solid case, according to the state, seemed to have fallen apart during trial. Huff's attorney was successful in explaining the blood on his clothes. They provided a witness with an alibi and a number of reputable businessmen testified to Huff's good character. The state successfully proved that Huff and Sadie Hawley had been intimate and that they were seen together on the night of her murder, but just putting two people in the same place on the day of the murder is definitely not enough evidence to convict Huff beyond a shadow of a doubt. The jury found him not guilty of the murder of Sadie Hawley. He was a free man, and it sounds like the consensus throughout the community was that he was not the Ripper. On the same day that the verdict was reported, a man named Bud Wise had been indicted by the grand jury as the Atlanta Ripper. Okay, so this is the first we're hearing about Bud Wise. Right, just all of a sudden, there's this guy named Bud Wise who's indicted by the grand jury as the Atlanta Ripper. We didn't even know about his arrest. No, we didn't, no. But we'll, listen, we're going to add him to the long list of suspects and arrests. For this case, there's still more to come. Okay. At the end of 1911, Zella Favors was found dead on her front porch of her home at 36 Taylor Street. Even though she was alive when police had found her, she was so badly brutalized that she was not expected to survive. While she was being taken to Grady Hospital, police found a trail of blood from the front porch of her house all the way to Pratt Street. Witnesses said that they had seen her earlier that evening talking to a man on the street. Witnesses stated that they heard part of the conversation between Zella and the man and that the man said to Zella, Jack the Ripper ain't dead yet. It is not clear if this was the same man who attacked her. If it was, was he the Ripper or just some guy that was copying the Ripper's assault style? Yeah. And it seems like it was such a convenient kind of phrase to use if you're trying to intimidate somebody. Right. Remember Mary the Ripper? She wasn't the Atlanta Ripper, but she sure used that to intimidate Exactly. It was clear from the blood trail, though, that Zella had been attacked on the street away from her home and had either walked or crawled back to her house after being brutally beaten. At the close of 1911, reports in the paper reflected no less than 15 Ripper victims. And although reward money had been offered by the governor and local black churches, no one had been convicted of the murders. Todd Henderson had also been tried by this time and was found innocent like Henry Huff. Well, I mean, you know, you have to be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Right. So that there were doubts and it made sense to beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? Yeah. You can't have, I mean, clearly had doubts in both of those cases. Yeah. If you don't think he did it just a little bit, you can't convict someone. That's the law that we're supposed to use. So January 12th, 1912, Ida Slade's body was discovered. A man named Lucky Elliott was tried and convicted of her murder, but not much else is known about him and whether or not he was involved in or thought to be a suspect in the Ripper murders. January 20th, Pearl Williams' body was discovered at Chestnut and West Fair Streets. Her throat was cut from ear to ear. Sounds like a Ripper murder, doesn't it? 
It does. Yep. February 17th, Alice Owen's body was found with her throat cut from ear to ear on Bowen Avenue, close to Jonesboro Road. It also states that the murderer had grossly mutilated her body. Alice's body had been dragged into a ravine near Bowen Avenue. Soon after the police started to investigate the murder, her husband was arrested. Charlie Owens was held on suspicion of the murder of his wife, along with two other men who were said to be involved, James Jones and John Jenkins. To me, it sounds like it's another Ripper murder. It um, does, yes. But do we know if he actually did that? No. Well, we'll keep going. Okay. On February 16th, the Gainesville police received a letter from someone claiming to be the Atlanta Ripper. The letter warned that he would target black women and that they have undoubtedly seen his work in Atlanta. Police thought the letter was just a joke, but the community was obviously freaking out about this once they heard about it. And there were no Ripper murders committed in Hall County. So the letter could have been somebody just trying to mess with the community and scare people. You know, maybe he was just trying to get a scare. Get attention. Yeah. The, mur the Ripper murder or... Somebody else. No, I don't. I don't think it was the Ripper murderer. He's never had that interaction with police, right? Uh, I don't think that's linked. March third, the papers reported that after two months of studying the cases thought to be associated with the Ripper murders, the Fulton County Grand Jury had examined all of the evidence and concluded that there wasn't an Atlanta Ripper after all. They said that it was just a myth and that each murder had been committed by a different man. It, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it said that in almost every instance, the woman killed was either separated from her husband or was a single woman, and it was a result of revenge following jealousy. So, so revenge every... killings are all done in the same vicious manner now? Yeah. Right? I don't I know. Don't think I don't so. think I buy that. No, that's know? like a convenient, like, it's a cop-out. Yeah, I don't think so. Sorry, grand jury. No, no, no. No, there's clearly some kind of serial killing happening. I think so, too. Maybe not all of them. We'll get into that. But I definitely think there was a serial killer. On Easter weekend, April 6th, 19-year-old Mary Kate Sledge's body was found in a field near Pryor Street. She was found face up in some bushes that were near the road with a deep cut in her neck, apparently from a knife stab, and her skull had been bashed in. I don't know if this is, a, I would think this would be a ripper murder because she was stabbed in the throat yeah. and, her, and her skull was bashed in. It's, it sounds a little different. It does. I don't think that one is linked. Obviously, we are not experts on this. Not but at all. This is just our This is opinion. just us talking like we do <laughs> like we about do. true crime. Exactly. But no, I, I think you're right. It doesn't sound like that to me. And even if it was, I think you're onto something when you say there could be a copycat killer out mm -hmm. there and, or they, it's just an easy way to get away with a crime. Right. Because you have this all over the paper. They're searching for an Atlanta Ripper and you want to get rid of somebody. Yeah. You want to fly under the radar. How easy would that be? You're now diverting attention from yourself to, oh, here's another Atlanta Ripper murder. Yep. The press is going to eat it up and then, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I can get away with this. Exactly. They're not looking for me. They're looking for this Atlanta Ripper. Right. That same weekend, an unidentified female body was found floating in the Chattahoochee River. She is said to have been 15 years old. Her throat had been cut and her body was mutilated. Did you say 13? 15. She was 15 wow. years old. Yeah. This is the youngest victim, right? I think the youngest reported victim. Yeah. Later that month, Charlie Owens is convicted of the murder of his wife. So you were saying what happened with Charlie? He is convicted of the murder of his wife, Alice Owens. Owens had been in custody since February now, so he could not be the killer of the two recently murdered women. It do doesn't think? look like it's Huff. It doesn't look like it's Henderson. It doesn't look like it's Owens for the Ripper murders anyway. 
more it, suspects? Oh, at more everything. Wow. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're not done yet. It was also reported that Marietta Logan, also known as Mary South, her body was found with a throat cut near Atlanta Avenue and Fraser Street. August 7th, an unidentified woman's body is found with a gash in the head and the throat slashed. She was said to be no older than 25 years old. This time, the victim was found in Marietta, Cobb County, beside the seaboard tracks about two and a half miles west of the Chattahoochee River. Many thought that this proved that the Ripper was still murdering women, but others believe it was proof of copycat murders. What do you think? It's so hard to say. It's I hard feel to say. like it could be, it could still be the Ripper, you know, and it's just ventured out to Cobb County. I mean, Maybe. we don't know who he is. We know he definitely killed women in the Atlanta area in the city, but you think he may have taken a trip up to Cobb County and maybe one murder there? Maybe, you know. Maybe, yeah. I think, can't count it out, but also I think it definitely could be a copycat murder. Yeah, it could be both. I could see it either way, but we just don't, yeah. we don't have any kind of... It gets more confusing. Just wait. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> On August 11th, the Atlanta Constitution ran a story that claimed the Atlanta Ripper was actually a modern-day Bluebeard with 12 wives as victims. What? Yes. Do you know who Bluebeard like is? Like a pirate? So, <laughs> like, no, that's Blackbeard, right? Oh. He basically married women and then murdered them. So not a pirate. I mean, he could have been a pirate, too. In mythology? France, so is he like a god? No, no, no. Like folklore. I think it was French folklore. It started there, and this guy would marry women and murder them. And then marry another, and then murder that one. Oh, and so this is what they are. So this is what they say that Lawton Brown was. He was a modern day bluebeard with 12 wives as victims. So they're saying that Lawton Brown is the ripper and murdered 12 of the victims. Lawton Brown was arrested and made a complete confession to murdering Eva Florence, whose body was found in October of 1911. Police believe that Brown had not only killed the 12 women, but also had been married to each one and lived with each one individually for a short time prior to killing each of them. What? Again, he's a modern-day Bluebeard. Oh, my God. The doctor that evaluated Brown concluded that he suffered from an unexplainable mania or an unexplainable mental condition. Brown was also familiar with the Ripper murders in the Atlanta area, and he could name the locations of each one, the victims, and the type of assault inflicted on each victim. Let's now hold on, because you and I know lots of details about true crimes, and so it's not like we're murdering people. Maybe he was a true crime junkie. Really? It could be, <laughs> I mean, right? I guess you Did could they have, have those... them back then? Maybe they had them back then. Think about it. I mean, I guess they could have. So maybe he's just fascinated by true crime. Yeah. You're yeah. so quick to convict poor Brown. I don't know. Because... I feel like he's got some things happening. He has some things happening. So I'll continue. He told police that he had been a witness to two of the murders and then graphically described the murders to the police. It is also believed that Brown presented a knife to police that he said was used in the murder of Eva Florence. Brown may have been suffering from some dementia. There is some details about that. Okay, so, so he must have some kind of history if they're saying that. Yes, and to further add to the police's belief that he was a deranged murderer, two women came forward to say that they were his wives, and one told police that he came home on the night of Eva's murder with blood on his shirt and quickly disposed of it. The wife also told police that this was not the first time that he had come home with blood on him on Saturday nights. And one thing I should mention, if I haven't mentioned it before, many of the Ripper murders were committed on a weekend night, a lot of them Saturday nights. 
That, I, <laughs> I mean, that's I, kind of incriminating. I feel like that's some um, sufficient. Hold on now, hold oh. on. Oh, gosh. So okay. in October, Brown went on trial for the murder of Eva Florence. Due to his mental condition, the defense suggested that Brown was just confessing to the murders for notoriety. They also put up witnesses who testified that Brown was mentally disturbed and liked to brag about things. Another witness, John Rutherford, testified that Brown had been forced into a confession by police and that he had hallucinations and confessed to almost anything when pressured. The jury came back with a not guilty verdict, just like Huff and Henderson. He seems a little unstable. They said he was mentally disturbed, so and somebody testified to that, and that he suffered from hallucinations. So if he's suffering from a mental condition and then he believes that he's this killer and he's being pressured into confessing... Yeah, we've seen we've seen that happen. Right. But what about the witnesses who say they were his wives and Yeah, too. Well maybe he was like Mary the Ripper. He wanted a wife in Atlanta and a wife yeah. in Cobb County. And we don't know. But they say they see they've seen him with blood on One his shirt. One of the wives did, yes. Said that she saw him with blood on his shirt. But remember Huff was found with blood too, and then what didn't Henderson have the bloody rag? Oh my god. Yeah, there's a lot of There's a lot of blood. There is and it you just don't know where it ties to. <laughs> or where it came from. Right. In 1913, there were two unidentified women murdered in the same manner as the previous Ripper victims. Although there's not much I could find on them. Laura Smith's body was found in an alley near Pine Street in Merritt's Avenue. Her throat had been slashed and her body badly mutilated with a knife or a dagger. The paper lists her as being the third victim of the year and the 19th victim of the Ripper. Again, this was in 1913 and they just list Laura Smith's body is the first one mentioned and they mention her as the third of the year. So there's two unidentified women that were murdered prior to her. But now we're talking third victim of this new year and the 19th victim of the Ripper. And that's probably a smaller number than it actually is. Right, because we don't know all about all the ones that weren't reported. Yeah. It's crazy how many murders happened. I did not realize how many murders happened. And there's still more. Oh, gosh. July 27th, Mary Rowland's body was found near the junction of Greens Ferry and Lawton Streets. Her throat had been cut and her body slashed in several places in what police called Ripper fashion. Later that week, police arrested Henry Harper on suspicion of the murder due to his foot being the same length as the footprints in the dirt near the body. So this is the last murder reported for the year of 1914. About a year later, in 1915, an unidentified woman was murdered on a Saturday night in Atlanta. Her body was brutalized with a razor blade or very sharp knife in several places and lying in a ditch alongside the road at 16th and Cherry Streets. The next month, Lucy Farr's body was found near the corner of Ponce de Leon and Penn Avenues, stabbed in the head several times. They believe she was killed on a Saturday. Stabbed in the head. Yes, stabbed in the head. A little different than it is, some yep. previous victims. The last victim of 1915 had her head broken with a heavy instrument and had been thrown into a hog pen at a convict camp on Virginia Avenue. Police concluded that she had most likely also been killed on a Saturday evening. So she was hit in the head, mm -hmm. and that's what killed her. Yeah. And then she was thrown, thrown in. into a hog pen. You're just, like, reeling from all this, huh? I'm like, this is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> yes. Nothing is reported that appears to be a Ripper murder for a couple of years. Then one headline comes up regarding a murder on June 26th of 1917. 
a woman's body was found on a Saturday night in a secluded woody spot near the railroad tracks of the AB&A Road. Her body was never identified. The article states that the details of the murder bring to mind the string of terrible Jack the Ripper murders, which occurred two years ago. On March 17, 1918, another potential victim of the Ripper was found near Grant Street in a densely wooded area on a Sunday afternoon. Police believe she was killed on a Saturday night. It says that her neck had been stabbed with a sharp instrument and the ground was thickly coated in her blood. In 1918, Laura Blackwell was another victim who was found in the alley off East Fair Street with her throat cut and her head crushed, wounds very much like other Ripper victims. John Brown was arrested and the papers later reported that Brown had been convicted of Laura's murder. He received a life sentence and had apparently cut Laura's throat and crushed her skull with an axe. That doesn't seem like a Ripper murder. And, and he was convicted of it. And he used an axe, so... Right, a little different. Yeah, it's yeah. a different weapon. Then in September of 1920, Chatty Warsham, 29 years old, is found murdered. The article goes on to say that Claude Alexander, who lived at the corner of Garibaldi and Mary Streets, was arrested on suspicion of murder and that the police felt they caught the Ripper. No further mention of Alexander, his arraignment, or of Chatty could be found. We should note that Alexander lived on Garibaldi Street, where Bell Walker was found murdered on May 29, 1911. If he had killed Chatty, do you think Alexander was her killer, too? Because she was on the same street. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's just not enough information right. to, to decide. That's how I felt reading all this. Yeah. <laughs> the very last mention of a murder associated with the Atlanta Ripper was four years later on May 5th, 1924, when the Atlanta Constitution reported on the murder of a 25-year-old woman who was found dead on the southern rail tracks on a Sunday morning. She had a knife in her temple, and there was evidence of a struggle. According to Wells, if this was actually a Ripper murder, then that would set his first murder murder more than 14 years from his last suspected murder and make it the longest running murder spree in U.S. history. If, if that was this is the case. all the same person. Right. Which we don't think it's all the same person. Well, and it's not because there are some that have been convicted, like Claude Alexander was convicted of Chatty Warsham. And not all of them have the same M.O. No, right. But he's saying from the first known Ripper murder to the last known or what they assume is a ripper murder that's over 14 years and nobody's been convicted of that no Insane. nobody was ever convicted of the ripper murders there was a few convictions of specific murders you know i think and there's way the body count is just so much higher it's than ridiculous. jack the ripper so it's like let's talk about jack the ripper good segue okay okay so if you don't know let's if you don't know about <laughs> jack the ripper he was a very well-known serial killer. Jack's crimes, having started in April of 1888 and ended in 1891, some believed that it was possible for the London Ripper to have committed the Atlanta crimes, which began in 1911. As crazy as that must sound to us now, it wasn't that impossible to believe, with the crimes being so similar. There were similarities to the crimes of the London and Atlanta Ripper, too, like young women walking down dark streets at night, right? They were targeted. Yep. Um, they were hit on the head from behind, and their necks were slashed, with the bodies being brutally mutilated. But after eyewitnesses began to come forward regarding the Atlanta Ripper, like Emma Lou Sharp, a description of the murderer was given, and he was described as a tall, slender, and sometimes well-built black man. And even though it wouldn't be impossible for there to be a black serial killer, 
killer in London during the late 1800s, it is believed now that the evidence from the London murders point to Jack the Ripper being a white man. It is also clear that Jack the Ripper was a deranged serial killer who loved to taunt the police by sending letters to talk about his crimes and the crimes he would commit in the future. Like in this one, he cut out an organ and sent a package to the London police that contained half the kidney that he had cut out of the woman that he had killed in the previous night. Really vicious, but it also is attention seeking. Right. And then he also wrote a letter saying that my next victim, I'm going to cut off their ear. And there was a victim with their ear cut off that was placed nicely by the body. So it sounded like Jack the Ripper loved to taunt police. Yeah. He's playing the game. Right. Whereas the Atlanta Ripper, there was never any confirmed letter sent from him to the police department. Yeah. Just that one, but we don't think that. I don't think that was from the Atlanta Ripper. No, we probably, maybe it was someone who knew about Jack the Ripper and he was like, oh, let me, uh, let me just really get their attention and scare people. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then also the Atlanta Ripper seemed to have more of a haphazard way of the mutilation of the bodies. Whereas Jack the Ripper, he definitely mutilated bodies, but he also would cut out certain things like organs and we didn't really see the same thing except for that one that had the heart ripped out right and the it intestines was, the intestines yeah um, disemboweled but it was still done in a more haphazard just like a sloppy tearing fashion rather than like an actual cutting fashion they said he was sloppier with his crime. yes Todd Henderson. Several eyewitnesses did place Henderson with Sadie Holly on the night she was murdered, and two witnesses placed him and Holly as late as 11.10 p.m. on that night, if you remember. Yep. And the streetcar conductor also placed him in the area, and then Emily Sharp loosely identified Henderson as the man who had attacked her. His foot matched a heel print that was found in the dirt near where Sadie Holly's murdered body was found, and Henderson lived close to the locations where four of the victims bodies were found. Henderson had been known to spy on his wife and was in trouble before for trying to cut her. He contradicted himself during police questioning about owning a razor or a pocket knife in the last year. And then there was, remember, the witness, George Brooks, the refreshment stand owner, positively identified Henderson as a man he saw leaving the area where Emma Lou Sharp had been attacked and that Brooks stated that Henderson had dropped a bloody rag. That seems like a lot of evidence against Henderson, but he was found not guilty. He was, yeah. Do you think he went free? Do you think he was the Ripper? I don't know. I don't think he was the Ripper. Because um, remember all the murders that happened while Henderson and Huff were in jail? Yeah, and maybe he did commit some crimes, right. but I don't know if... I don't feel confident enough to say that he's the Ripper. Well, what about Henry Huff? So he was seen with Sadie on the night she was killed, and he lived near downtown. And Sadie knows both of these guys. Yes. That's interesting. That's an interesting, like, connection. They all live downtown. Okay. Well, it's a small, small world. Mm -hmm. He was wearing bloody clothing when arrested and had a gash on his head and scratches on his arms. What if Henderson and Huff killed Sadie together? I mean, it's not out of the question, you know. I think it's possible, but... What if the witnesses were just confused? They thought it was Huff. They thought it was Henderson, but maybe they were identifying the wrong person. I just don't think there's enough like, solid Huff, evidence. Right. Did Huff and Henderson look alike? I mean, we don't know. Because yeah. there's actually, unfortunately, there are no known pictures of either of these men because I wanted to see if possibly they looked similar. And that's why people identified them as being with her yeah. around the time she was murdered. But there's no pictures of them. Yeah. We can't say without a reasonable doubt that these people did it. So Right. And there were several other people like Ward Carroll. Did he f- kill Sophie Jackson? Remember, he's the one that wouldn't go looking for her after the dad asked. 
Was Sophie even part of the Ripper murders? We don't know. Or this John Daniel guy who we very little <laughs> we know. We didn't know Ray, anything about John Daniel. They just attributed one of the murders, you know, said it was a Ripper murder. Bud Wise, he was indicted by a grand jury as the Atlanta Ripper. We know nothing more. Charlie Owen, he was the husband of the murder victim, Alice Owen. He was tried and convicted. Remember, he slashed his wife's throat, almost taking her head off. Yes. But he, he was did. in custody during the murders of Mary-Kate Slash and the unknown 15-year-old victim. So I don't... And I don't even know if what he didn't really do that murder. Um, of his wife? Yeah. I don't know. Really? He was convicted. It's so easy to pin cases on the significant other and... But a lot, don't they say that's the first person you should look at? Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. There's just something. Then there was James Jones and John Jenkins. They were accomplices of Charlie Owens. We don't know much about them. Lucky Elliot, he was convicted of the murder of Ida Slade, but we don't know if he was related to any others. And then Lawton Brown, he admitted to killing Eva Florence and possibly had many wives. That was our <laughs> blue beard of Atlanta. <laughs> yep. But he suffered from dementia and was acquitted and he was found not guilty. Of and I don't, we don't even know if what he says is like reality. Right. Then there's Henry Harper. He was the suspect in the murder of Mary Rowland, one of the last victims associated with the Ripper murders. But it's not known whether or not he was convicted of her murder. We have no idea. But if it was anybody, maybe it was Henry Harper because he's the last one associated with a Ripper murder. And then after that, there's really not many more discovered. I know. I just feel like there needs to be some kind of evidence to back up all these different murders. There's so many murders. We had a bloody cloth. I mean, <laughs> we had a bloody rag. I know. Did they have any kind of testing for that not back then? Back then. I don't then. think so. No. And then John Brown, he was convicted of Laura Blackwell's murder, which he committed with an axe, but you don't think that was part of the murder? I don't think murders, so. Right? No. And he was only convicted of Laura's murder. Some police believed he was responsible for other Ripper murders, but again, any suspect that came up, they were on automatically thought to be the Ripper. It right. I'm like, like, how many people did they indict for this Atlanta right. Ripper? And then Claude Alexander, he was arrested for the murder of Chatty Warsham in 1920, and he lived on the same street where Bell Walker was found murdered in 1911. So there's opportunity there. Was he the murderer? We don't know. There's just too many suspects. What, right. So was there no Atlanta Ripper murder at all? We feel like there was. Yes, for sure. Because so there was... I think maybe like at least five yes. were an Atlanta Ripper, but there's so many others. You know? Right. And but to say that there was no Atlanta Ripper at all, I don't believe that there was no Atlanta Ripper. I think there was a serial killer in Atlanta at that time. Absolutely. I agree. So then were there multiple killers whose crimes just happened to be similar? I think that, that's, a high, that's a high possibility. Right. So there is this theory and it's talked about in length in Stephen Fennessy's article from 2005 in Creative Loafing, and we'll put a link up on our Facebook. He provides an expert in the field, a Dr. Vance McLaughlin, and McLaughlin was a professor of criminal justice at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke when the article was published. McLaughlin believes that the hysteria created by the murders may have inspired copycat killers, or that it is possible for someone wanting to commit a murder to use a similar technique, as described in the papers, to divert suspicion from some non non-existent serial killer. We kind of talked about that. Earlier in his career, McLaughlin was a police officer in Savannah, Georgia, and he's now a professor of criminal justice at Jackson State University in Jacksonville, Alabama. He holds a master's degree in criminology, 
from Florida State University and a PhD in the field of criminal justice planning from Penn State. So he knows his true crime. He does, yeah. And I think there's definitely merit to what he's saying. I mean, obviously. But how convenient would it be to just know that these murders are happening if you want to get rid of somebody, someone you don't like? You just have to do it in quote-unquote ripper fashion that they were talking about in the papers. Yep, and no one will suspect any different. No, they would immediately think it was a ripper murder. Yeah, Uh, clearly... Because everyone who was arrested was kind of linked to yes, that. Yes, yes, exactly. So even if it wasn't even close to that, mm-hmm. you know, someone was killed with an axe and was suspected to be that the Ripper. Murderer. Right. We really don't know. There is an interesting research paper I found on the Ripper murders, and we'll link to that, too, on Facebook. And it just goes into which murders they think are attributed to the Atlanta Ripper. And if there was, in fact, an Atlanta Ripper, was there a serial killer in in 1911. And so it's an interesting article. We'll link to it, but they have this really great table and it shows which victims were in the papers and which papers they were in. And it also talks about um, the way they were murdered. And it also gives a map and shows the location of the victims that they believe were actual ripper victims. So we'll link to that. It's a very interesting research paper. And they were all in that Atlanta area. Except for the Cobb County one, most of them were, yes, in and around Atlanta. That was a lot. So many murdered young women and just no answers, really. I think only a few of them actually had convictions. So we'll probably never know. Yeah. I mean, it's been over a hundred years. Yeah. Unfortunately, will we ever get answers? Will we ever know? Can hope. Maybe they'll find that bloody rag. And... Where is that bloody rag? Yeah. And then maybe we can tie that to somebody, but <laughs> like, that's so frustrating. <laughs> Where is it still around? <laughs> I know. Cause yeah, forensics now would be able to test it and see whose blood it was. Mm-hmm. If it had been a victim's, then obviously we may have had our murderer. Yeah. But I just can't imagine living in that time, knowing your demographic of people were being targeted and you just had to continue to live your life in fear. And yeah. it was just so scary. Yeah. And then not getting help from the police or even your governor, your mayor reaching, trying to get help. And yeah, you would hope that your community is the place that would advocate for you and, and keep you safe. So it's so frustrating to hear that. And we just found out about this story. So yeah. it's like, how could this crazy case not be more known. I thought about that too. And it's either the research paper or the creative loafing story. I'm not sure. So just look at both. But it talks about why they think the Jack the Ripper murders were so well known and the Atlanta murders were not. One of the reasons they think is because in the Atlanta Ripper murders, there's just so many and so many different styles or so many different ways the women were killed that you can't exactly pinpoint a certain number because at first there were many women found just and then women that were slashed in the throat, and then women that were stabbed in the throat, and then some were beaten. And so with and Jack... Legend, yeah. Temple, right. So some mimicked each other and some didn't. And then with Jack the Ripper, it was clear that he committed X amount of crimes, and they knew his start date and his final killing. And his were also sexually motivated, it said. So he targeted prostitutes. They said it was a more sensational story because... Of that sex factor. Right. Whereas, you know, the Atlanta women, they were young, hardworking black women. There wasn't the sexual component to it. Like, it's hard to, what, sensationalize I guess, yeah, it's hard to sensationalize it. And then also 
Jack the Ripper would send in stuff to the police force. It just sounded like a movie. It was easy to entice people with those headlines in London. Right. I can but see I that. still, you and I still think we can't believe more people don't know about this. Right. I mean, you just think if you heard about something like this happening in today's time, you would hope that you would we think, would know about. Or you just would think that the Atlanta Ripper would be a more well-known serial killer, but it's not a well-known case. We thank you for oh. providing us with this insight. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I did. It was very enlightening. It was a lot of information. Lot. I think I it was a lot of information and really not many answers. You're right. Yeah, we're still left with no answers. Yep, unsolved. Rest in peace to those victims. Yeah, and sure. I wish there was more information about them. It's sad that there's really not a lot about most of the victims. Yeah, but we're getting that story out there, and I think that's what's important. I hope you liked this two-parter on the Atlanta Ripper. And what do we have coming up next? What's our next episode? We've got a haunting happening. Oh, is it the asylum? It's um, actually Eastern State penitentiary. penitentiary. Oh, okay. Penit- how do you say that word? Penitentiary? Pen- penitentiary? Penitentiary. Penitentiary. When, you know, when we record this, I will know how to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be episode 13. Ooh, 13 is going to be a haunting one. That's good. Yes. How did we do that? Planned it out very well, oh, man. but not even. <laughs> We actually did not plan that at all. We didn't. (laughs) Just subconsciously. It worked out. That'll be a spooky one. Yes. Yes. So hopefully that'll start soon. You may have a week or two to wait for that one, but you need to process the Ripper murders first anyway. Yes. It has clearly, this is a lot of info. It is a lot, right? We thank you for listening. Yes. If you have any show ideas, things you want us to cover, email us at freshlybrewednoir at gmail.com. Follow us on our socials at freshlybrewednoir. And why don't you go ahead and give us a review? A review? We would love that. Uh, how many stars would you like, Jennifer? Oh my God, can I get like a hundred stars? <laughs> I think it's five minutes. <laughs> it's not enough. We have a few reviews, don't we? We do, yes. Yeah, so thank you to those that have given us reviews. It helps us a ton. Oh, so we yeah. love that. Thank you so much. All of you kind people and sharing the stories and things like that. We love yeah. we love it. So, the Noorians. Right. We're going to try and keep giving you all those stories that you may not have heard. Yes. So until then, till next time, we'll see you. Stay caffeinated. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.